Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. A little bit of a stutter step because, you know, we're doing things a little bit differently today. If you have not heard my uh, internet plight, uh, I don't have it right now at my normal home studio. So I'm uh, borrowing internet wherever I can find it. And today we're in the Colony Square conference room at the 92.9 The Game Studios. And look who I ran into. Hey. Hey. We're in the same room again. This I know. is great. It's been a while. There was a game Saturday. We weren't in the same place. It was weird. I know. I know. Uh, it was It was very weird. Uh, it, it was odd. Very odd, but uh, back together now, and I'm very happy about that. And that's all I have to say. It's stoppage time for uh, Wednesday, August 25th, MLS All-Star Wednesday. And I'm going to yes. go on the record right now. Uh-oh. I love the skills contest. I do, too. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great last night. I, I want to play soccer skee-ball so bad. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's I, such I a cool game. I love that. Yeah. I, I thought that was so cool. The uh, the cross and volley challenge I thought was great. It was kind of like the MLS equivalent of slam dunk yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, I still want to see goalie wars come back yes. a, at some point. Yep. Um, you know, they might have to work something out in the collective bargaining agreement about that. I want to see that, <laughs> and I want to see some kind of a freestyle judged competition. I think that would be a really yeah, cool I, thing to do. I kind of feel like cross volley could be the start of that. You could, um, you know, I would do like a juggling contest maybe. where it's not about like how many touches, but it's the style of it. Yeah, you, you got to be careful. Like the National Hockey League tried to do a judging type deal yeah. to replicate slam dunk. Yeah, whereas basically breakaway and then you know depending on the amount of skill you put into yeah. the goal. See, I, I it would, was not good. Nah, like, that's like, too much. I wouldn't yeah. work. Right. This I, I would do. There's a, a model that Red Bull did that I, I saw center stage. They hosted an event probably like 10 years ago. It's part of their Red Bull like world freestyle contest where it's almost like a breakdancing kind of thing. So you're you're you battle with somebody. So like I'm doing my tricks and juggling. I have to pass the ball to you. You do your tricks and, and juggling. You pass it back to me. We go back and yeah. forth. Yeah. So and then the judges decide who won. Gotcha. So it's a pretty easy way to do it. And there's enough guys with that kind of skill that I think would be a lot of fun. Oh no, I agree. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. down with that more than the passing one. The passing yeah. one didn't work. Yeah, I yes, yeah. That, look, there was some trial and error yeah. applied to I like I love the fact they tried. Yeah, I thought it was the fun. Fact they tried. I enjoyed they, it. I embrace things that are a little outside the box. I, I loved it. I'll tell you what else, and Christopher Abel mentions it, the Nahuel Guzman ish housing. Oh, in I a skill that. challenge. No, it's no, amazing. No, I love that. It's amazing. I, I love that. I thought that was great. And I think everyone had a good time yeah. with that, by the way. But I'm telling you, this is not going to be a friendly tonight. Not. Th- this is not going to be. Maybe at first it will ma- be. Maybe for like five minutes. Yeah, maybe. But this is not going to be a friendly. I-, I think Liga MX is out to prove a point. I think MLS mm-hmm. is out to prove a point. Um, I think it's going to be a really good match. And I'm excited to see Miles Robinson tonight. I don't know if he'll start or come off the bench. 
I don't know how much Bella will play. I, I would assume probably at least 30 minutes. I just bit. don't know when. Um, I'll take 30 from Miles and 30 from George, so they're yeah, good for Saturday and, 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 and no problem. And, and let's get this straight, too. And, and we're going to talk about the D.C. match. We're talking about Nashville coming up and all that. So just brief thoughts on All-Star before we really yeah. get into it. Uh, I was disappointed to see how negative the reaction was to George being selected for the All-Star game. I, I think we need to get out of this mentality that what happened to Greg Garza back in right. 2017 – was a soccer accident. Freak accident. Could have happened on a training ground. Could have happened in a regular MLS match. Um, It's very, very uncommon for players to play more than 45 minutes in an all-star game. Yes, I understand there's some cross-country travel in play. Yes, I understand that Pineda's now running training. Today was his second day, and they might be missing that. Um, Look, They'll be okay. They'll be fine. Miles is a center back. And George, I think, will pick up whatever, pick up on what Pineda wants him to do really quickly. It's not going to be anything dramatically different. No. I really don't think there's going to be some huge difference that neither one can pick up. Exactly. It'll be so, okay. So I'm, I'm celebrating the fact yeah. that Atlanta United's academy now has put its first player in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's great. I, and I'm really looking forward to this match tonight because I, I think there's going to be an edge to it. I really do. And it, I hope and, so. Um, it's what... MLS needs, honestly, in this All-Star game. I I thought it took a colossal step backwards in 2019 when the best opponent they could find was Atletico. And it it was a weather-delayed match. It it just was a long night, and it wasn't very good. 2018, when Juventus came into the Benz, I I thought that really helped to elevate the All-Star game. You had 70,000 people there. Atlanta helped elevate it more than Juventus, Juventus, honestly. Because you're right, because Ronaldo, remember, he did not play. He had just signed with Juventus, and there were rumors he wanted to play on turf and all that. But but unfortunately, the last couple opponents that MLS has arranged to play its All-Stars just have not – they've either not played fully eight teams or they just haven't gone all in on it. Um, it's, it's set up for failure, yeah. like, and that's the thing about it. And this is the same if you have a national team playing a club team. The club team trains together. Even if they are in preseason, they know one another. They, they have an understanding that an all-star team, a national team, doesn't have. That's why you would see, you know, the U.S. play like club teams back in the day. And it's a struggle because those guys know one another and the U.S. players are are meeting one another playing for the first time. So the club's always going to have the advantage. So then you're trying to find the right level club. Like, okay, if you play Fulham like they have at one point Mm -hmm. in the All-Star game. Yeah, that's a game that the MLS All-Stars can win. But it's also a game that's not really going to sell a bunch of tickets. So then if you go with like a Manchester United or a Real Madrid, then you're going to sell a bunch of tickets and you might look bad at the result level because you're set up to fail. Or alternatively, you could sell a lot of tickets and then those teams could screw around. Like go back to Balotelli. Yeah, what was it, 2011 or 2012? Yeah, that was a when, friendly, but yes. Yeah, but still, like he did that little ballet yeah. thing. Like <laughs> He said he thought he heard the whistle. I'll give him no, that man. one at least. I don't believe it. <laughs> Anyhow, 9.30 tonight on FS1. This is the format for the All-Star game going forward. If you have to do anything else, do East versus West. But with MLS and Liga MX wanting to make money together, this is a great way to do it. The skills challenge, add a Legends game, a five-a-side Legends game, Make a couple good days of it. It is a great celebration of the game. Tonight should be a fun, different all-star game than we've really ever seen across any sport. Yeah. And, and Christopher it brings up a couple points about the all-star game. Uh, says, not sure if George is quite at the all-star level yet, to be honest. I think so. I, I, I think he is, but I think it's two different things. I think you could also say that there might have been some Atlanta United players perhaps a little more deserving than George. Remember that you're picking players according to position. Really? I mean, you, because you, when I think all-star, I am thinking positions and where okay. they rank in the, the level as well. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just thinking, who, who are my best players? Yeah, see, I'm, when like, I go deserving, it's okay, like thinking the baseball style. You know, if I've got the, the best catcher in the league, but he's not the best player on my team, he's still the best catcher in the league. He should be in the all-star game. I've said for the last year, really this season especially, George Bellow is one of the best left backs in the league. And I agree. And, and yeah. he should be in that position. And because, and it goes back to the format of the game, because you're playing a game against another team and you want to win, you do have to think positionally, not just let's throw a bunch of defenders. Oh, yeah, you're left footed no. to go play left back. 
let's take a left back. Well, and, and I think George certainly played himself into this conversation with what mm. he did at the Gold Cup, too. I, I don't think yeah, it's a coincidence did. that if you look at some of the players that have been added to the MLS roster for whatever reason, well, it's guys who played in Gold Cup. Like Sebastian yeah. Legette was just yeah. added. You yeah. know, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. Um, I really felt that Moreno and Lennon had very, very good cases yeah. to be in the All-Star game. To your point, a little more when, competition. When you look spots. at the forwards and you look at the midfielders that have been selected, okay, yes, you are right. There is it's obviously a lot more competition. I would have taken Moreno guys. over Legette. I would too, especially yeah. the last two months of play. I would too. Legette's in in LA, so and that's probably yeah. more the determinant. And quite frankly, now I'm thinking like I'm going to reverse what I just said a moment ago about celebrating George's accomplishment. <laughs> I don't want three or four <laughs> oh, no, Atlanta go. United yeah. players. Going out to Just LA and missing this week of training, <laughs> um, and and Christopher also says it's going to be a friendly until one of the holding midfielders gets stuck in on a tackle or Robinson goes studs up on Funes Mori. I don't think it's going to get to that point tonight. It might late, maybe if it's I, close late. I think both teams are going to try to win. Yeah, I, do too. I, I don't think this is a match where either team's going to screw around tonight. I think they're yep. both going to try to win. When we start to talk about getting stuck in on a tackle or showing studs to someone, I would really hope that would not happen because I think there's a professional respect both ways in this match. The Liga MX season is about to start. No, it's underway. Well, it's it's, it's it's about to really get going. MLS is fully in the middle of it. I I think there would be enough professional respect that you wouldn't see that level of play like maybe what you saw in Denver in June, probably not saw to that Las level. Vegas earlier this month. Yeah, I would hope not. Probably not to that level, but we see it in the NBA All Star Game sometimes. When you get into the last, in this case, maybe twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, if it's two two, if it's three three, if it's on the line, the intensity will ramp up pretty fast, yeah. and that will mean the tackles will come flying in, and it'll be a wild finish. I hope that's what we get. I hope we get an entertaining match. And we come out of it talking about which league is better. Because MLS has a point to prove. Liga MX has a point to prove. And rivalry between them will only grow the money for both of them as they work together more. Right. They need to be, it needs to be competitive. They need to be at a similar level enough to where you know, we can have an argument with the uh, stoppage time equivalent in Mexico City <laughs> about which league is better. Well, and also, I don't have a lot of faith in Columbus right now going into Campione's Cup in their current form. <laughs> no, uh, maybe Seattle can do something in League's Cup, maybe. But um, yeah, possibly. you know, th- this might be the best chance this summer for MLS to maybe get one on Liga MX. So we'll see tonight. Speaking of entertaining matches, let's talk about Saturday in DC because yep. that was very entertaining. It's a big win. Uh, it's four in a row for Atlanta United, longest active winning streak in MLS, along with New England. Mm-hmm. Atlanta United has 13 of a possible 15 points in their last five. Again, only New England and Colorado have done that. You know who's just below, by the way, in points earned in the last five matches? Yeah. Strangely, Miami. Yeah, Miami's, Miami's been good uh, So The uh, Phil Neville out train, I think, has stopped running. For the moment, yeah. Uh, and... Just an interesting note there. Atlanta United's going to be playing them about a month from now. Um, what do you think, though? It, it, it felt like, to me, and, and this, is, this is really the first time we've had a chance to yeah. talk about the match because you were in Atlanta and I was in D.C. Uh, it felt to me in the second half that statistically Atlanta United was kind of getting dominated a little bit mm-hmm. just in terms of shots. In fact, I think the shots at one point in the second half were like 11 nothing D.C. Yep. Um, but I kind of felt like, and even said on the broadcast, um, it felt like there were three points on the table there going into the final 10 minutes because you could see Atlanta United kind of not necessarily growing into it, but maybe D.C. running out of gas a little. Their subs were not impacting the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure enough, Atlanta United finds it with Moreno on a beautifully worked team goal. Maybe a little bit lucky, a shot through traffic that wasn't deflected, but yeah. was screened. Clearly, John Kempen was screened. Uh, I would have taken a draw out of there and, and <laughs> yeah. sprinted home. So the fact that they got a win uh, really is a feather in Atlanta United's cap. And I think we're going to probably make the argument that was, in terms of quality of team they beat, probably their best win of the year so far, I think. Yeah, I could buy that. Um, I was... Honestly, not as optimistic in the second half. I thought Atlanta was out of gas. 
And when Sadich couldn't finish it, you know, I was talking about it before that sub. I was like, all right, the legs are gone. Is it time to put on a second holding midfielder? Is it time to sit deeper? You know, there's really not an option here. It's got to be Hosatu. Like, you know, he's not really a defensive midfielder, but he can play the role, especially paired up with somebody. He ends up having to play it by himself. And I'm like, oh, man, there's, this is going to be really hard, really, really difficult. DC couldn't take advantage, though. And it's a credit to the just work rate uh, of Atlanta United because three games in a week is really difficult. Um, I, you know, not being there, uh, I'm not sure how that field played exactly, but it felt like it did a couple years ago that it was long and heavy. Like it, 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 the, yeah. the ball seemed to be getting stuck at times, yep. like it either like slick off the top of it or it would roll very slow. It, it felt like it was just a heavy pitch. Um, I think there had been rain earlier in the day, so there was. that, that yep. would make sense. Yep. Um, I didn't think Atlanta had the legs to finish it off. I thought D.C. was going to be able to find something late. But they really didn't. Now, Ola Kamara had some chances throughout the match. He should have done better with. Um, I think Atlanta had some opportunities that they should have done better with as well. Both, both teams left some things on the table. But it's another game where Atlanta does not concede from the run of play. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep hammering this point home this week. The last five games, Atlanta United's only conceded one time from the run of play. The first goal in Montreal. Yeah. Corner after that, corner in Columbus, penalty in Columbus, free kick in this one. That's it. That's an incredible statement that this team has made in playing in a way that is not defensive at all. At times, it's scary how not defensive it is. Well, I think Shiva wanted to see the whiteboard earlier, so we'll, we'll try to break that down a little bit further and how they're handling it. Because it's not typical. It's not by the book. And this is where I'm really curious to see Gonzalo Pineda and what he can do with this group when they are at full fitness. And they probably won't be this weekend, although we don't know yet. Sosa was day-to-day last weekend. We don't know if he'll be available this weekend. I know Sadich was beat up, and it was kind of touch-and-go with him and how much he could go, and he couldn't finish it. Is he going to be able to come back? Um, you're not going to have Mo Adams yet. You're, you're going to be short in the defensive midfield. So might be Hosatu. It might be, and, and it, that might lead you to play two in the midfield to help him. It's possible. So then everything could change. But I want to see going forward what this team looks like and how that balance works because it doesn't look balanced on paper. It doesn't look balanced at times in the match. But they have numbers defensively, and they have numbers in the attack. They're not too tilted either way. And they've solved the problem in a non-typical way. And it's really fascinating what Rob Valentino and Gonzalo Pineda, because you know they've been talking, and, and you know like they're on the same page with how they've been solving these issues right now. It's pretty well solved. So how do you handle it? Now how do you handle the new issues, which are – he might not have a natural holding midfielder this weekend. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, yeah, I'm not a thousand percent sure yeah, we did, what we the deal him. is on Sadich. I right. mean, there, there hasn't been an injury report put out yet, and they don't have to put one out, I think, until Friday. Right. Um, so I know a lot was made of the fact that Sadich was not training yesterday. I, I'm not willing to go any further than just, oh, he wasn't there yesterday. Yeah, just when you can't um, finish the last game, you have to wonder about what they'll have for the next game. That, but I, I also question. don't remember a situation where he had, like, a knock or anything. No. Match. I, I think he just kind of started leaking oil. Like, I think it, there was somewhere, and I, I can't remember if it was in the post game or not, there was a comment about Zadich not being 100%, and, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where it's it's funneled off of. Yeah. Um, there's time to recover. I mean, and it's not like he has to train Tuesday and Wednesday to be able to play on Saturday. If he's able to get a full training session in, he can play Saturday. Right. He'll be just fine stepping in. It's too early to tell. Right. And, you know, Shiva points out that Barco and Arujo, Moreno, and even Joseph have done work defensively. Yeah. And honestly, I, I – you know, we knew that the challenge on Saturday for Moreno was going to be that he would have to drop a little bit deeper in the midfield to help Sadich. How did you feel that played out? Uh, I mean, he did. He did it about the same as he did the game before. Like, again, it's not, it's not traditional because he's not dropping in and, and just sitting in the holding midfield. He's the one who's flipping the field on the dribble. 
which is is a really different way of breaking out of the back. But Moreno on the dribble, I I swear you could have had him grow up somewhere in South Georgia and he would have turned into a pretty good running back. Yeah. Because you can't get him down. Like right. you see guys trying to grab at him. They 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 can't they can't slow him up. You see guys trying to kick at him. They can't take the ball off of him. He's just able to run through challenges. And he's not a big guy. It's fascinating. Um, but he gives you that ability. So he can drop in, get get on the ball, and in turn and go, break the first line of pressure, and then you're off. I've been really impressed with Luis Araujo's defensive work. Um, he puts in the work. And I think he kind of enjoys putting in that work. His last play was about a 60-70 yard run back defensively and he committed a foul but he broke up the play and it was a long run to break that up we know Barco gives you that honest effort defensively Joseph is pressing more up high which helps don't need him to do it all the time you want his energy to be used on the attack but when the right times happen he has to be in that mix and I think he's more locked into that mix right now if you've got Barco and Moreno and Araujo running and hunting and chasing. When the ball goes back to the goalkeeper or to one of the center backs, Joseph has to help there. And I think he did more of that in D.C. They can continue that. They're going to pick up some, some cheap turnovers. They're going to pick up some easy opportunities. But then when they do have to drop and defend, you've got three attackers that don't mind getting nasty and mixing it up when they need to. All right, thinking outside the box just a tad here, uh, looking ahead to Nashville on Saturday. And, again, I'm not trying to take a leap on Sadich's status yeah, or Sosa. I, we just don't know right now. I thought George Campbell did a really good job helping to see the match out mm -hmm. on Saturday. We know he played a lot in Nashville back on July, mm -hmm. what was it, 7th? Yeah. Um, who got hurt? Uh, he had to come in early. What, was it Franco who had to come out? or Someone got hurt. Yeah. Um, I don't read. It might have. Was it Mo Adams? Was it Mo Adams and they had to shift things around? It, it, I think. I know Mo it. got hurt in that game. Anyhow, yeah, George, George played like 70 some minutes. Yeah. Against yeah, it was Nashville. Mo. It was when Mo got hurt. Could you go Campbell, um, Franco, Robinson, three in the back, mm -hmm. and maybe try to use walks as a holding midfielder? You could. I, I would probably go the other way, and I, I know it's not typical, but you've got the week to train on it, and if there were any questions coming into yesterday about Sadich or Sosa's availability for Saturday, and there probably were those questions. I mean, it's just natural. Wouldn't surprise me if Campbell got some time in that holding midfield. I really? would keep the three center backs together. Walks hasn't played holding midfield since his time at Tottenham's like academy, so okay. it's been a long time for him to – I would rather have him in the back line where he's been playing with the other two guys consistently. Put Campbell in that spot. Now you're going to have to really work on Campbell there. Uh, Tyler Wolf is brought up by Christopher Abel. Great call. Not in a holding though. Right. I don't. I don't want him in that spot. I want him higher up the field. Right. Um, Campbell's the one that makes the most sense to me. It's going to take, I think, a lot of communication. I think Miles is going to be critical here to to keep Campbell kind of positioned correctly in front. Because that's the part that he'll struggle with. Winning the ball, the passing game from that role, he'll be fine. Campbell can handle that. Um, will it be as clean as, as Sosa or Sadich? No, because that's not his game. But can he be effective? Absolutely. And when you look at a team like Nashville that is big and physical, not a bad thing to have a big physical holding midfielder who can win those challenges in the air, can win that second ball. He's just got to be sharp on the ball. And if you look at his numbers in USL Championship, one of the better passers for Atlanta United 2 this season. So I think he can handle it. Yeah. Yeah, and he covers a lot of distance with these yeah, strides. So I, I don't see a situation where Dax McCarty is going to be able to run past him or mm -hmm. anything like that. It's mm -hmm. just it, it's interesting. I think we'll get more insight from Gonzalo Pineda maybe on Friday. The, the one thing that I have sensed with Pineda, and we had a really good discussion with him last week on the AT&T Countdown to Kickoff, and I hope that you had an opportunity to watch. But if you didn't, um, Pineda strikes me as someone who's going to be really, really transparent. I think he's going to be very open about the way that he feels is best to, to set up the team. So I, I would imagine we're probably going to get 
some pretty strong hints when we hear from Pinedo on Friday yeah. how he's going to deal with that if it's something to deal with, which, again, we don't know. Yep. It might not be. Um, Pineda told us when we spoke to him last Thursday, he, he's not going to come in here and blow everything up. He's not going to be disruptive. One or no. two little things is what he said. Maybe yeah. one or two tiny little things um, that, that he would probably. Oh, and, and Dax is suspended for this one, so you don't have to worry about him running go. past anybody. Okay, I guess not. Well, then, who's Nashville's holding midfielder? If Probably Godoy and uh, Anunga. Top right. Charleston Anunga. guy. And then yeah. who would wear the armband? Probably Walker Zimmerman, right? Zimmerman or Godoy. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. That helps. Uh, that helps a little. McCarty's more uh, dangerous. I'd rather, rather have CJ Sapong suspended or Hani uh, Mukhtar. Mukhtar scares me. <laughs> Mukhtar scares me. Uh, Sapong you can handle. You just have to do it. Mukhtar can make something out of Spong nothing. Spong scored four goals in his last three matches. Though. No, you just have to do it. Like, I mean, he's not going to do something that, oh, wow, that's an incredible amount of skill that I didn't see coming. He's just he'll, – he'll beat you up up top. He'll, right. he'll find space. They've got to mark him tightly. Mukhtar will drop a dime on you that you're like, what? How, how did he do that? He's got that kind of ability that – Campbell will have problems with if Campbell's a holding midfielder. Anybody will because yeah. he's that good of a player. If that's the way they go. I mean, they right. could play Josatu there, couldn't they? I, I mean, it's asking a you lot You got a lot of options. We'll, we'll hit the board here in a second. There's a lot of different ways you can skin it and in, in making that midfield work. But I think they'll keep the same basic idea of what they've done. I don't think they'll go to two holding – I think they'd like to have one and have that person get help from a variety of positions. Gonzalo Pineda, by the way, was a holding midfielder. So yep. it, it, it's going to be an interesting position to watch. Um, not necessarily this week, but as the season moves on, as we go into an off season, how Atlanta United could potentially evolve at that position. And if Santiago Sosa can hit another level. Now, Emilio's just coming in. He, yeah. He's wondering, what are we talking about with Sadish? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if he's hurt. He yeah. just didn't finish the he match finish. out on Saturday, and he didn't train yesterday after two days off. So it's led to some speculation. But we don't know. I did not see him. Like I said, I didn't see him take a knock. Yeah, I didn't expect like him to come out. I, I wasn't expecting him to come out of the game on Saturday. But when he did in that moment, that's what concerned me because I was thinking at that point, all right, get two in the midfield, sit deeper because you're getting overrun. When Sadich came off, I'm like, something's wrong. Right. Because that's not the move that I expected. Right. Do you want to go to the whiteboard? Yeah, we let's can do that. Let's now, do, it. do you have enough slack on your headphones I or do you need me to so. hold the microphone up to you? No, no, I think I'm good. Okay. I have a, a long cord here. I do need to grab some markers. Let's do that. Um, I'll try the red and see how it shows up. Okay. You can hear me. You can't see me for a minute. All right. Let's see how this gigantic, huge whiteboard that I'm not used to working with something this size works. Remember, by the way, Gonzalo Pineda told us he's never lost a match ever on the tactics board. That's true. I haven't either, by the way. I don't think anyone has. Yeah, that's true. I was trying to find something. Maybe Alan Pardew has, but that's about it. Probably. Probably. Big Sam would just draw like 11 people close (laughs) to his own goal. Okay. So the way Atlanta United has been playing lately. Actually, let me. I might need you to be a cameraman for a minute. Um, Possibly. Let's see. Okay. Now you can see my head. My head's not cut off. All right. So the way Atlanta United has been playing lately. I've called it a lot of times a 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 um, you could go 3-4-2-1, but that's not really where the positioning has been. So Atlanta will be defending up high. You've got Brad Gazan in goal. You've got Alan Franco as a center back. You've got Anton Walks to the left of him. You've got Miles Robinson to the right. You've had, we'll put as a first choice, Santiago Sosa. We've had George Bello out here wide on the left. We've had Brooks Lennon wide on the right. We've had Marcelino Moreno, I think, kind of in a – this is where it gets interesting. So the next three is very fluid. It's not really like just uh, they stay in these spots. I mean, we've seen Luis Araujo float around. We've seen – Barco float around because that's what he does. We've seen Moreno float around. But roughly, I would put it like Moreno, Barco, 
and Luis Araujo with Joseph Martinez up top. So that can shift because Moreno can drop here. Barco can float everywhere. We know that. Araujo can float wide a lot, but it'll also come inside a lot. We know Lennon and Bello are going to go up and down. We know that these guys can all step in here and help as well. Franco generally stays home. If he goes, somebody covers. So the concern at times can be here. Because a lot of times teams will try to get two into that space rather than one. I think this is a little bit far away, so I'm going to see if I can move it up a little closer here as we go. Maybe that's a little easier to see. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. All right, so the holding midfield is where a lot of teams are trying to double up, and it's a, it's a challenge for Atlanta in this shape. How do you solve the challenge? Moreno dropping in to create two, so Moreno drops in. I have an eraser. I should use it. So he can drop in and split the difference, and you almost split the field in two with Sosa, Moreno. What happens when that is the case? Then it becomes more of the 3-4-2-1 that we've seen Atlanta do in the past. Um, You've got more cover. Moreno can break out, then it flips back to where it was. Uh, If Moreno's not there, we know these guys can go. And this is something that Araujo will do. And when he goes into there, this is why that holding midfield role is interesting, because they have to be ready to deal with who comes to help. If Araujo comes in here, Okay, he slides in there. What does that mean? That means Moreno or Barco has to slide over to provide that balance because that's what we're talking about is balance. Because if they're all over here, well, the ball better be over there and you can overload. That's great. Otherwise, you got to have that balance. Now, another way it can be solved, and we haven't seen this yet, and I'm curious to see if we will with a week to work on it. Let's put... Sosa back here. Let's put Luis Araujo and Marcelino Moreno back in those lines. All right. Now, the ball, let's say they're, the other team is attacking Bello. What you could see and what you see Pep Guardiola's teams do this a lot, where you use a wing back as an additional holding midfielder when the time comes. So the ball is over here as the opponent's attacking. Brooks Lennon has nothing to do over here. If there's nobody to defend, tuck in. Tuck in and help control that space. 
that can actually help you condense the space and do a little bit of what DC does really well with how they press. They try to cut the field in half, roughly, and pin you. So if Atlanta does this, and this is something you got to work on in training. This isn't something you're going to get day one and it's going to make sense. You work on this. You're able to pinch the field to that side, box the other team in, and when you win it and break, you've got numbers on that side. You can go. Brooks can come through the middle, and Araujo can flare out wide. Moreno can cut here. Barco can come down the line. If Bello has to defend deeper, Sosa can hold. That's an interesting element that I think will take a little time, but I wonder if it's something now that we start to see, now that they have some time. Okay, so is this just sixth sense, or does someone actually have to be the communicator as this all kind of evolves? Saying that uh, you you bring up the example of Alan Franco when he stays home, but when he doesn't, someone covers. Brad obviously would call that. Right. But when we're talking about something in the midfield, where does that communication come from? It's a good question um, because I don't think Sosa is really like that guy right. who is vocal. So it can come from the back line because they're going to see it. It can come from Miles. It can come from Franco. I think we're seeing Franco get a little more expressive with that. It can come from Anton, another guy who's vocal. So I think that's where it probably comes with this group because it's just their personalities, you'd like Sosa and Sadich to be able to call in those situations. Brooks, come help me. Slide in. Um, Marcelino, drop in. Like You're going to have to have that communication emerge, but it's probably still a work in progress. Now, when you think about how these things can go, and I can hop back up here if we have questions, but we'll, uh, I'm going to sit back down. Um, what can happen now over the next, what, three weeks, really, between now and the Orlando game on the 10th? I'm going to tilt the camera down. Yeah. You've got training sessions and one game. Now, you're going to be missing some people. You're probably going to miss Joseph Martinez and Ronald Hernandez for the Venezuela national team. You're probably going to miss Miles Robinson for the U.S. national team. Although, I saw a hilarious uh, hilarious uh, prediction today uh, or yesterday uh, yesterday uh that had miles robinson completely out of the mix for world cup qualifying was that person intoxicated when they made that prediction uh let me see if i can pull it up <laughs> they might it have I, I, I thought it was hilarious they, they, um, they might have been uh a little, i'll find it uh, a little bit on the uh the sauce uh because miles should be starting in at least two of the three qualifiers coming up uh, it shouldn't even be a question. Miles should be starting, let alone not there. Um, Burns says, I, don't, I actually don't fully understand why Miles Robinson is not the central center back as opposed to the right center back. Um, talking about how Frank DeBoer played him there. I, I think because Burns, they're not really looking at that role as being as much of a like safety sweeper type of idea. I think that role here is, is a little bit more of a function of positioning and being off to the side, it's easier for Robinson to mark. And I think what Heinze wanted and what we're seeing so far that Valentino and, and Pineda are building upon is Miles is more often than not defending their best, their top forward. So he's a little more free off to that side to do that. Um, as long as everybody is in sync, it, I don't really care too much. It can matter in the build-up play if you've got a righty on the left side or a lefty on the right side. But as long as they're in control of everything and they're in communication, I'm good. And I think the role here for Miles is different than it was with LGP and Parkhurst around him, as Frank DeBoer had, where Miles was the speed guy. He had to be free because he was the only one who could run down anybody. LGP's not running down anybody, and Parkhurst wasn't in 2019. So now, Franco can run people down, and Walks can run people down pretty well. I think he's probably losing the foot race between the three of them. But Miles is the best defender. So I think that's his role now. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, the, the predictor, uh, guy by the name of Steve Toto. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Steve. Sorry. You don't know Steve? He's no. posing with a supporter shield. Oh, well, that's um, cool. He says Dest, Richards, McKenzie, Miazga, um, Reggie Cannon, 
DeAndre Yedlin, John Brooks, Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream. So he's got Zimmerman and Ream. But not Miles Robinson. Ahead of Miles Robinson. Um, I got nothing. Uh, Look, I'll be I, nice. I mean, Walker Zimmerman, I, I, he could be I there. think he's got a shout to be there. Could be there. Um, Ream, if you're just going on selections over the last year or two, Assuming that Burhalter would stay pretty true to that, I guess that's how Ream could get into that mix. But um, I don't know. I don't know. And then, then on top of it, he's got Paul Ariola going, and he's got Ariola's hurt. He might not be going. Right. He's got DK in there. I could probably see that. DK's hurt. He's so got he Tim Wea in there. I don't know about that. I think he'll go. Still. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Good I just, on you, Steve Toto, but I'm I'm gonna have to no, disagree I mean, look, with you on Miles. He's got a right to his opinion. He I does. Mean, he, he, I just he I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna be going to the octagonal. I don't know if he's gonna start every I, match, I but but I think he's gonna be there. Right? I think in these first three games where they go to El Salvador, they host Canada, and they go to Honduras. First off, I, I think the U.S. needs. I mean, ideally four points minimum out of that. I'd, I'd like to see more than that. But they got to win the home game, and they need to get a result out of the two road games. If they do that, they're fine. You don't have to freak out if they lose in El Salvador game one because El Salvador is a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honduras is, is historically a tough place to go. Miles is the guy to handle those situations, in my mind. Out of all the different center backs that are possible, Miles is the one who is the best complement for John Brooks. I think Brooks is the best complete center back the U.S. has right now. Miles is the best one to play with him because he he's much better on the ball than he gets credit. I cannot wait for the national narrative about Miles Robinson not being good on the ball to finally die because that hasn't been the case since 2018. I'm sorry. Like, pay attention. That's not the case. He's good on the ball, and he's really good breaking pressure on the dribble. And that's something that to have that as a center back, and George Campbell's got that too, that's special. He can break pressure on his own. He's a good passer. He's a good long-range passer. And we know what he can do 1v1 defensively. And now he's got a level of confidence that he's never truly had. I think Miles is coming into his own. So he's the guy, in my opinion, to be the starter next to John Brooks. In this run of games with three in a week, I don't think he starts all three. No. I don't know if anybody does. I think preferably you don't. But I think he starts two. And I think he's going to be really important in those road games. I would be tempted, honestly, to start him in El Salvador and in Honduras and give Zimmerman the game in Nashville against Canada because Canada's going to be a little more direct. It's going to be a little easier for Zimmerman to deal with that one. Um, I don't know where they will be pressure-wise in terms of what you need on the ball from him, but Zimmerman at home in Nashville, that'll get people excited. I, I think that could work. Oh, I agree. Um, Christopher says a back three of Robinson, Zimmerman, and Brooks would be pretty good. You could go that way. If you want to play Dest as a wing back. You could go that way, too. Um, and I'd be curious to see that. I think that's where Zimmerman can really be useful is, is with two people around him because Zimmerman's not as good on the ball. And in build-up, you kind of want to avoid him a little bit. You would need two guys who are good on the ball, and Miles is one of those, to do that. I can see that happening at times, and maybe on the road. That might be the way you do it on the road, is where you might be under siege a little bit more, especially at the Azteca against Mexico. Maybe you do go with that line of five. could see that. Yeah, Christopher also says that Canada is the most talented of the three they opponents. They are, but it's at home. It's at home. You know, that, it's a neutralizer yeah. a little bit when you're playing them at home as opposed to El Salvador. On the El Salvador is probably the weakest of the three you're going to play. Yeah. I'd say objectively. Now, now I'm, I'm but fine. it's on the road. I'm fine if you want to not punt, but kind of punt one of the road games. And, and if the Honduras game's the one, if you – and look, a lot of it depends on El Salvador. If you go to El Salvador and get a win on the road game one, and you come back home and you get a win against Canada. Yeah, you can good. give some different guys a game in Honduras, and if you steal something from it, great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking for. I mean, if you get six points, you're happy. Uh, you're great. You're very happy. You're great if you get six points in these first. So three. I'm good with starting them in those two. And hey, from an Atlanta perspective, that'd be the best thing possible. Go win in El Salvador with Miles Robinson and the team. Man of the match performance. Come back to Nashville. Win that one. 
be in a good spot. Miles doesn't play on the trip to Honduras, and then maybe he does play against Orlando on the 10th. Fingers crossed. All right, speaking of Nashville, <laughs> and keep sending us your questions and comments yeah. at, uh, on the Twitch pitch. I, I'm so reflexively saying bottom of your screen because <laughs> you've said that for three years on the Twitch pitch. Um, these, For whatever reason, Atlanta United and Nashville have matched up very well against each other this year. Is it a rivalry yet? Oh, I, I think it always was. Um, Is it a contentious a, rivalry no, yet? No, I don't think so. What will it take for that to be the case? Probably a lot of off-the-field stuff, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I think one of the reasons why Orlando got as contentious as it did yeah, is because the level. supporters from day one were not friendly to each other. Um, like, for example, Nashville's probably going to have a lot of road support on Saturday. I, I would think. I think so. Um, I don't think there'll be any animosity towards the Nashville road support at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It'll be a little Unless, bit, but nothing out of the realm of – nothing, nothing no, that, abnormal. that is outside of being right, good nature. Right, nothing abnormal. Um, Shiva says a playoff game. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, that's a good you, shout. You get a that's playoff a game and somebody goes home, yeah. Well, it, it, okay, here's another, here's another thought I have. Miami feels like a rivalry, even though it's been one-sided towards Miami, yeah. believe it or not. But it feels like a rivalry because those games have been very chippy. Mm-hmm. Now – you might say, well, now, wait a minute. How have the Nashville match has not been chippy? You had a send-off in one of them. Uh, the most recent one, as a matter of fact. Not a but chippy one, though. It, well, and it was not also, <laughs> well, and it it was was not also a foul, let alone a send-off. <laughs> well, so. I, I, think, I think there's more of a respectful, uh, I don't want to say rivalry, relationship mm-hmm. between Atlanta and Nashville right now. Nashville built their team the right way. I think there's a lot of, I have a lot of respect for the way that they built their team. Yeah. Um, I do not have a lot of respect for the way that Miami built their team. Well, they broke a lot of rules, so. Well, they, yes, right. They did it <laughs> illegally. They, they should still have negative points for this year yes. because of what they did. Yes. Um, Charlotte, I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, – there's certainly going to be more animosity than a Nashville well, rivalry. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Falcons and Panthers are rivals. And because of Charlotte's owner coming in and saying, screw that city, day one. Yeah. Like, first line, I think, of the uh, introduction. But to Shiva's point and to your point, third time they've played this year. Okay. Um, This is the most played opponent on Atlanta's schedule this year, along with Orlando and Montreal. Two two to twos. Two good. Exactly. And and two really, really good games. Yeah. Atlanta United blowing a 2-0 lead at home. Nashville, 11-on-10, blowing a 2-1 lead at home Mm -hmm. uh, and settling for a draw. Now, like I said, these first two meetings have been very, very strong performances by both teams. But Nashville has not seen Luis Arruja yet. Mm -hmm. I don't think they've seen Joseph Martinez yet. Am I correct in that? Mm, They didn't up there i can't remember if they did here or not i don't think that i'll have to go look it up i don't think they did um remember atlanta united when they played in nashville on july the 7th that's when they were starting to really miss people uh that's i think that's when bello yeah it was because um (laughs) catamount is correct <laughs> that, yeah, we that don't have accurate. a chant for Nashville that includes that word. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that is accurate. Uh, no, because yes. Alec can play that game. So that that was Guzan, yeah. Bello, and Robinson all being out. Yeah. So my point is this: this is as full strength as Atlanta United has been mm-hmm. all year in facing Nashville, regardless of what the situation in the midfield is. This is going to be as close to full strength as Nashville is going to be against Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. No Dax McCarty. No Dax McCarty, but you do have Aki Loba. Now, he has not been starting for them, and no. I think that's interesting. That is. I think that's interesting. It's a designated player that they're bringing off the bench right now. But I mentioned Sapong is hot. He's got four goals in his last mm-hmm. three matches. Mukhtar seems to be consistently someone who's giving Atlanta United fits. I think it's going to be a great game yeah, on too. Saturday. I'm really, really excited about this. And if Atlanta United should win this match on Saturday, that then becomes the best team they've beaten all year. Yeah. And D.C. United is knocked out of that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you, Burned, in that rivalries need more time. They're, they're handed down generation to generation. I totally agree with that. I think 
though, with new teams, you kind of have to think of it on a sliding scale. And will this end up being the rivalry for these teams? There's no way to know that yet. But I think it can kick up a notch pretty quickly. Um, and it could this weekend. I mean, if, let's say, uh, unnamed Nashville player X comes in, studs up on a couple people, and gets, a, gets everybody going, you have some pull-aparts, you get people angry, okay, it'll go up a level. I think a playoff game will absolutely kick it up a level. But it's a game that I look forward to because it's a game with a clash of styles. Yeah. And, and there's a little more to it. And, and that's all I really go on with a team that's, that's five years old right now. Like Orlando, there's animosity. It feels different than your average game. Nashville feels different than your average game. Not like Orlando, but well, it feels different. I don't want to name names. I really don't want to name names. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm not going to name Okay, names. don't name names. Nashville mm-hmm. has a team full of players that I really respect. Yeah, I can't look at one player on Nashville and say, "Ugh, can't stand him." That I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, and if there is one, I think you'd be straining a little bit to feel that way. Now, yeah, there's one maybe. But I think it's... I think I know who you're you're going to say. Don't say it out loud. Yeah. We're going to talk about it off the show. Yeah, yeah. I I have a lot of respect for Nashville's players. They yeah, have a lot too. of players I really like and respect. I do too. Okay, now. there's one that's a stretch. Yeah. I think I know who it is, I, I, but still, you know who it is. not comparable to say, I don't know, one or two players on 2018 Orlando. That there's no Will they, Johnson in the Nashville team. He's out of the game. He's not playing anymore. I think. Don't name names. He's like I think he's retired. He's fair game. You said it. No, <laughs> it, but it was. It's more than. I think him. Will Johnson would probably like shake our hand for that. I think he likes being that guy. I think he kind of enjoys being that player. All right. I mean, if he does, then good. You've been named. There's another player on that 2018 Orlando team, one who had a propensity to go down very, very easily in penalty areas and um, attempt to, you know. Uh, they, they, they still have a couple guys like that. Well, but, but my point is, my point <laughs> is this. Orlando's or, – back in that day when the rivalry was blooming, yes. Orlando had some players who were like, man, I just don't like the way he yes. plays the game. Yes. Inter-Miami. Especially last year. Yeah. I can think of one or two players where you look at them and you're like, yeah, I just I don't like the way they play the game. That was a little cheap. Nashville, I can't say that about any of their players. Mm-mm. I can't say that no. about Gary Smith. I can't Mm-mm. say that about anyone associated with that club. So, yes, these teams match up well together. They've played some very competitive matches together. Atlanta United historically has had some good performances against Nashville. They had one really awful performance against Nashville last year, last September, when they lost 4-2. They conceded right away. But I don't look at Nashville with disdain. No. Because I I like their team, and I like the way they built them. And I like their fans, honestly. I mean, we've been to Nashville how many times now? We've always had a great time. I like their fans. I know it it came up on here about – and I've seen it twice – when Joseph went down, there was some booing initially, and with John. Yeah, and I don't think I, that's coming from a bad place. I think no. it's coming from a little bit of ignorance, to be honest. Uh, well, the the John thing in particular. I mean, he got up and finished the match. And if you're not watching him, you know, carry his elbow, if you're just seeing him and not paying attention, like I, I could understand how some people would reflexively boo. Yeah, the Joseph thing was unfortunate. But again, that wasn't sixty thousand people no, in the stadium. Doing it was it. a small number, right. and I think it was just not understanding what might have happened. Right. I don't think it was. I don't think it had ill will. No. You know, I don't think no. it was. We don't like this team, so we're going to boo somebody no. getting. Now, hurt. if stuff like that continued historically, yeah, yeah right. that, then then this does get a little edgier. Right. But no, I, I I think it's. Uh, Burned is right. Yeah. Burned yeah, is I'm, absolutely right. Yes. Uh, the Birmingham, yeah, you, Birmingham you, Legion does have about you, 10 guys you, that you could put on that you list. You call games, so I'm, I'm going to oh, stay completely that's out of a, it. That's I'm one that, oh, oh, boy. <laughs> They're tough. They're tough. No, I, I have a lot of reason. <laughs> bottom line, I have a lot of respect for Nashville. Yeah. So I think this is a friendly, respectful rep. You know what it reminds me of? Hey, if is, Nashville knocks Atlanta out of the playoffs, though, I'm, uh, that, that friendliness is going to go off. I don't think that's going to happen. That, that I, I think both teams are safely away. going to be in the playoffs. Oh, if they get into a playoff game and Nashville beats Atlanta in a playoff well, game, okay, yeah, yeah. then we're having a different conversation. But, okay, to that point, how do we feel in Atlanta about Columbus? There's a lot of dislike of Columbus. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh don't, I, I don't feel, even ask. I the, feel neutral about. Don't even honestly. ask the people about Toronto. No, 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 no. We've man, been there's been a lot that. of hatred we, for Toronto we, that I didn't been, know. We've been through the Toronto thing. And I, I'm just talking about teams that have knocked out Atlanta United. Um, you know, I, I just I feel very I just, neutral. About Columbus. It, I, I don't like Columbus. I, I'm neutral on them. Uh, um, it might be uh, the manager and his. Um, uh, tablet oh. that he likes to show to the fourth official when yeah. he feels like he was yeah. aggrieved. The, the arm flapper. They're, uh, yes, he was vexed. They're struggling right now. Anyhow, <laughs> let, let's talk about this match. Uh, it, one final point about the rivalry. Yeah. When Atlanta United plays New York City, you talk about mm-hmm. contrast and styles. Mm-hmm. With them, it, with New York City, it's not necessarily a style contrast. It's an ability to play a certain way yeah. because they play on a certain dimension oh, yeah. of pitch. But it is fun to see those two teams match up and see those two styles, how they clash, but how they tend to produce mostly high-quality matches. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much in their meeting this year, and of course they didn't play in 2020, but 2018-2019, Atlanta United yeah. versus New York City. 17, too. Oof. 17, absolutely. They, they would tend to be very good, good matches. And I felt like that was one of the more underrated matchups in MLS not necessarily a rivalry because I think there's a lot of respect between the two sides but one of the underrated matchups I think Atlanta Nashville is one of the more underrated matchups Nashville they could have a rivalry really get hot with Cincinnati I hope they do they they could have a rivalry really get hot with Charlotte they maybe this well not Nashville St. Louis that absolutely could I happen, could, too. I think that could end up being a good one. St. Yeah. Louis and Kansas City will be the natural one there. I, I think that, yes. I think the problem with St. Louis is if they're in the Western Conference and Nashville's yeah. in the it'll East. It'll be more St. Louis, Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me, and I, I think you have games, and it's a little bit harder with college because you see teams all the time, and you know, I've mentioned it many times with, with Georgia. It feels like every other game's a rivalry because everybody hates Georgia, and I guess Georgia hates everybody back. Um, but when you think of like the Braves and the Cardinals, like it's not a rivalry, but it's a little, it's got a little extra to it. Well, when you they're have both playoff good history. You've got some history. You have some playoff history. You there, know, yeah. like I, I think Atlanta Nashville's kind of in that ballpark right now, and it can take another step forward, but it, it just takes a flashpoint, honestly. Like that flashpoint could be, you know, one of them getting knocked out in the playoffs by the other. It could be an incident in a game. It could be a cheap shot here or there, which can happen even with guys that, that you like. It's a good thing. Like, and, and it's, it's not manufactured in that it's, you know, there, there's nothing there. These teams have played some good games, especially this season. You know, two, two, two draws, that's a game that I look forward to when they're going to play this weekend because of that. And if it kicks up a notch to where it goes from – two teams that match up well, that create a good match, an entertaining match, to two teams that don't like each other too much, that's even better. That's a bonus. But this is one to kick off a big Saturday in MLS. And the last big Saturday before the international break, and I know there's games during the break. Atlanta's not playing, thankfully. But this is a big weekend in MLS. You know, and it goes all the way through Portland and and Seattle in the late-night game at the end of the weekend. But... You go Saturday after Atlanta and Nashville on Univision. You've got Sporting in Colorado, which is a very good match out west. I think a real prove-it opportunity for Colorado. And you've got New England and and NYC, which is a a big game for NYC right now. And New England just keeps doing it. Two huge games in the evening. Like This is the great kickoff to the day in MLS. As you said, nationally televised, at national radio as well. Sirius XM is taking us. So, I mean, there are going to be a lot of eyes on this match. Yes. Uh, there's no question about it. What do you think is the key matchup? Now, we've, we've hypothesized what Atlanta United might do in the midfield here. Mm-hmm. I kind of get the feeling that this could be a breakout game for Luis Araujo. Mm-hmm. Came really close to scoring very early uh, last Saturday in D.C., Again, I think showing that he's going to be very, very difficult for MLS defenders to dispossess him. He's been close. Is this maybe the breakout 90 minutes for Luis Araujo? Could be. Um, The matchup I look at in this one is right now Miles Robinson and CJ Sapong. Because I think if you can lock up Sapong and, and limit his effectiveness for Nashville, you, you can handle Nashville, especially without Dax McCarty. 
Uh, Mukhtar will be a wild card. you got to deal with him, but you have three center backs, and that's a little bit of that balance that we were talking about on the board. You have more security behind that holding midfield where you worry maybe there, maybe there's not enough balance there. You can turn into a line of five easily with the, the wing backs dropping, and with three center backs, you've got cover in that spot. But if you take care of Sapong, Okay, Mukhtar will have to go find the game. I'll take my chances. Um, you got to worry about Daniel Lovitz coming forward. I think Araujo defending him will actually be fine, dropping and, and dealing with him. He'll have Brooksland in there too. Lovitz is one of the best chance creators from an outside back position. Brooksland is, is one of the other ones. That one will be a good matchup, but I really look at Miles and Sapong. If Miles wins that matchup, I think Atlanta wins the match. And who marks Mukhtar? I don't know if you mark Mukhtar because he'll kind of float around. It's not exactly a, a marking situation. You've got to have him accounted for, and that goes back to that holding midfield. You know, if Campbell's in there, if Sadich is in there, if Zosa's in there, you've got to limit his effectiveness. And, and I think what Atlanta can do, and, and this is going to be something that, in my opinion, we'll see change between D.C. and Orlando. There's one game. I know you're going to miss some people, but you're going to be able to work. Pineda's going to really be able to put in some work. How they press and how they defend and where they defend, do they press up high? You know, And is it a little bit of what we've seen D.C. do that I thought was really interesting? D.C. doesn't really like go try to shut the ball down first step. They make you go backwards. Then they get a wave forward at it. Atlanta can do that. They have the players to do that. Can you create that understanding to be able to defend higher up the field? And then also, again, create that cover, those rotations we talked about. If the holding midfielder needs help, is it Lennon or Bello coming inside to help, depending on which side the ball's on? Is it Moreno dropping? Is it Araujo or Barco dropping? The rotations just have to tighten up a little bit. Atlanta, one goal from the run of play in five. They found goals themselves. They have found late goals when they've needed them. This feels like a team that is really starting to gear up for not just the games left on the schedule, but a playoff run. They can get better, and that's going to be down to to Pineda and what he can do because this game's a big test. This is a team that's ahead of you on the board right now. It's a team that can come in here and beat you, and Atlanta has to continue to get better from where they've been, which has been good. Yeah. They have to be even better this weekend. And you still need as many points as you can in your home matches. Home games, you, you got to win. You have eight of your next 10 or 11 at home. Got to win them. Got, uh, yeah. I mean, really, did, you got 24 points out of your remaining home matches, and you're not going to have to worry too much about your playoff situation, at least getting in. But I think the goals need to be higher right now for Atlanta United. I think home playoff match is attainable. Yeah, yeah. I think 100%. as high as yes. the number two seed right now yes. is attainable. So you have to make the most out of these home opportunities. I want to finish Christopher's point, and you kind of ask about it with uh, marking Mukhtar. I think it's hard for Robinson to mark Mukhtar because he'll drop deeper into the midfield. You don't want Robinson to go out into the midfield to, to cover somebody on a regular basis. I'd rather have somebody else do that. I want Robinson to deal with with Sapong. Now, if if you do want to go in that direction, Chris, the the way I would handle it then is Franco is dealing with Sapong, which I'm okay with that matchup too. Alan Franco pretty physical, he can deal with the strength of CJ Sapong. Then that leaves Walks in the more free role because Robinson's going to be chasing up into the midfield a little bit more. He can do it. He did it on Soteldo. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's not the best use of him maybe unless you're you're comfortable with Franco dealing with Sapong. We'll see. We'll see what, what Pineda and Valentino have dialed up here. Really great questions. Thank you all very much, and thank you all for watching. We'll post this on Facebook. The audio will go to Off the Woodwork if you missed anything and uh, you want to come back and watch it. And uh, we'll be on Saturday at 3. I think the kickoff's closer to 4, but Saturday yeah. at 3 we'll be on with the Five Stripes Countdown. Uh, I think 3.50 is the kickoff on Univision. So uh, if you want the English language commentary, you want to sync Jason and I up, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back with you next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another edition of Stoppage Time here on Twitch. Maybe we'll be in the same room again. This actually, this was fun. It worked pretty well, the, yeah. The whiteboard. So uh, this might be a permanent thing until they uh, unlock the studio down. This can happen. We, we can figure these things out. We, we have flexibility now. We we, we've learned new tricks during the pandemic. It's scary. 
yeah, it's scary what we can do when we put our minds to it, I guess. So uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us here on Stoppage Time. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.